Thanks for listening to the Highlands podcast. At Highlands, we believe in leading you into a growing relationship with Jesus and equipping you to have a life full of purpose as you build your faith. We can't wait for you to join us next weekend. But for now, enjoy this message from our communicators. Morning, church. How are you going? Good. All these smiley faces. You know, uh, I think this is such an important series uh, on who we are as people, not just in the life of the church, but to actually gain insight and foresight is something that everyone is chasing. You know, if you look up Google, people are looking for insight and foresight. That's why they're doing searches. Actually, when there's a time of crisis, people are Googling God. <laughs> I think that's quite funny. Here we go. Let's Google God. Let's find out how we can get to God, how we can have that understanding about God. They're all Googling God rather than knowing God. And it's such an important part that we gather, particularly as Christians, because we have this incredible advantage that God gives us of foresight and understanding. He gives us the ability to understand. He gives us insights into things and foresight into the future. If we bother to connect... Now, when you hear stories of planes going down and planes going down, people are praying, going, God, if you get me out of this, I will, whatever that I will is. And if the plane lands, they quickly forget their I will. (laughs) But you see, they miss the important thing of prophetic insight and foresight of what God has for you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 says this, when you, but when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who was in the secret place, and the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Important part of this scripture here is when you shut the door, go pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And how do you actually find Your secret place. How do you actually find that? Because I find most people, no matter what age, no matter how long they've been a Christian, whether they've been a Christian or not, I found a lot of people struggle with finding the secret place of God where they can connect with God. I had a guy when I was at Bible college come and talk to me about prayer. He'd been a Christian for years. And he came to see Moira and I and said, you guys seem to know how to pray. Will you teach me to pray? Been a Christian for years, but hadn't, no one had taught him about prayer. No one had taught him about how to connect with God. You know, I see preachers travel the world. I see people travel the world on, on the thought of connecting with God. And people flock to those, those seminars, flock to that preacher to how to hear from God. If you go down to Kurong, you'll see books on how to hear from God and people's opinion on how to hear from God. There's such a hunger to gather this hearing from God, to gather insight and foresight. However, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made differently. And if you're married, you realise that because your spouse is different to how you are. And if you've had kids, even though you made the kids, they're different. They might look the same, you might have a mini me, but they're different to you. And we are all different. And the challenge is our secret place is all different as well. You see, the cookie cutter was thrown out when you were made. 
And no one is ever going to be made like you again. You've got different gifts, different passions, different purposes. And to find your secret place where you encounter God is so, so important. But it's not a stereotype. The secret place, that place you encounter God, is different to how I encounter God. And I want to try and help you today to find your secret place. I want to try and help you today to actually come to that point where you find a place where you can actually encounter God and it becomes where that scripture becomes true. You go into your room, something that's where you connect with God, your secret place. Because I don't know about you, as a new Christian, when I heard about you go into the secret place, you go into the prayer closet, you go into all those different things. I don't know about you, I was hungry to hear from God. And I tried all those things. I tried going into a cupboard. He wasn't there for me. Now, some people, they have a cupboard. They have a place they go. You may have seen the movie War Room and the woman's cupboard and where she was praying for things. That's where she, in that type of that story, she found God. She had her, her plans and everything on the wall and her notes and stuff. For other people I've, I've met, they have different ways to encounter God. And you can't just cookie cutter this. I think some of the frustration we've seen over life as people have been to different places, read different books and, and been, been disappointed because they haven't found God and therefore they assumed they were wrong or God wasn't interested in them. Because the other person especially the preachers, they always seem to hear God. Even <laughs> to a secret. We struggle just like everybody else. But you can find some ways to actually encounter God. There was a famous American preacher and uh, he told a story of people how to reach and how he met with God and how he recommended everyone get a big chair. And they sit in a big chair because he encountered God in his chair. And he had his big lounge chair and he would go and sit in that lounge chair and he would read the scripture and he would pray and he would encounter God there. But not everyone encounters God in a chair. There's a friend of mine, John Gagliardi, and he's a guy who reads the Bible through every year in a different translation. But he reads the Bible every morning and he reads and reads until God speaks to him. And that's how he encounters God. He's got this ability in reading Scripture and God starts to speak to him out of that. Another good friend of mine, Dave Harney, who built this building, David gets up at 4 a.m. and prays every morning for a couple of hours. And he, encounters, he actually gets all his staff to come and pray with him at 4 a.m. in the morning. And our staff think they've got it tough. But they stand there and they pray and, and he encounters God in prayer. He has a gift in this area where, where he can pray and he hears God in that way. And that's how he, and he, he will say, you can, you just need to pray at 4 a.m. in the morning. And I say, God's not awake yet. <laughs> There's so many different ways. See, other people I know when they go out into the garden and they work in a garden, God speaks to them. 
I prefer concrete myself. Don't have to mow it. But you see, there's so many different ways. And if I can get across to you this morning, there'll be a way for you to hear from God. You see, mine is, is when I go for a drive. If I actually get in the car and I go for a drive, I encounter God. It's always dangerous for the staff. Because I go out and I start to pray and I drive my car and I start to hear from God and God will speak to me in that car. <coughs> I remember years ago when, the, when we had some stuff going through Parliament and there was a, an, and a whole pile of stuff going on. And I was the CEO of the movement at that stage down in Brisbane. And I jumped in my car and I drove to the other side of Brisbane for a meeting. As soon as I got into the car, God started to speak to me about writing a letter with some research on a certain topic. And actually had John Gagliardi working for me at that stage and in, in, we are doing some work in the movement and he's a journalist by trade. So I said, John, what I want you to do when I, I rang him up because I usually ring up from the car as God's speaking to me and said, John, I, what I want you to do is I want you to go and research this and get all the secular research. I don't want any Christian research in it because if we put Christianity in that particular sphere, we would have been slammed. So I said, I want you to go and get all the non-Christian research, all the secular research about this topic and, and write a paper on it and we'll send it to all of the um, ministers in Parliament. And the funny thing was is we didn't want to send it from Mansfield in Queensland because that's where all the churches are. So we picked another location to send it from. We sent it in a plain white envelope with no return address and we know that because of the amount of stuff that came out of it, that they'd read it, which is amazing. It was a God deal. God spoke, and as we acted, God breathed on it. But it come from me driving in a car. The other time, other place for me I encounter God is in the shower. Probably because I'm not thinking about anything else other than I'm praying and I don't sing in the shower even though it sounds better there for me. But I remember in the shower one morning, I got into the shower, we are living in Carindale at the time and right next to the Brisbane Christian Outreach Centre as it was known then, or City Point. And I was the CEO of the organisation at this stage. And God said to me very clearly, he said, Ken, you'll make money out of money. Thinking of our bank that we started in the movement. So we have our own bank in the life of our movement of churches. And we started it a number of years ago and I employed a fellow called Peter Geyser who still runs it and a friend of mine. And that bank became an incredible blessing to us as a movement. When, when bank, other banks stopped lending, we were able to lend for churches. We had all the different movements ringing us up who didn't have banks and some of them do have. The Baptists have a bank and the Lutherans have a bank. The Anglicans have a bank. The Catholics probably have a bank. They do. But some of the charismatic and Pentecostal movements didn't. And they were ringing us up saying, will you lend to us? And our charter meant that we couldn't because we had to lend within our own organisation. But it was a thing God spoke to me out of in the shower, my secret place. What's your secret place? Because everyone has one. And it's not something that you can cookie cutter. It's not something I can say to you, oh, well, your secret place is this. Oftentimes I've found 
when you're working in your gifting, it becomes evidence of your secret place. So if you're a master craftsman and you are creating something, God will speak to you at that time. And, and it's actually, if you look at Scripture, if you look into um, Exodus, you'll see that they were building the tabernacle at the time. And Moses, God said to Moses, Moses, find some craftsmen. And I think the guy's named Benaiah. I can't remember. I'll have to look it up before the next service. But he said, I'm going to fill this guy with the spirit of wisdom, the gift of craftsmanship, and the ability to teach others also. There's something about when we're in our gifting and whatever your gifting is, that God speaks to you in that gifting. I know when I work on a car, and I've worked on cars ever since I've been a kid. In our family, we always worked on cars. We raced cars from a young age. So I got sent home from school when I was in primary school to go and wash my hands because I had mechanic's hands. And if you see Doug Wood, he will understand this. Your hand gets ingrained with dirt. And I was a little kid, about seven years old, and they sent me home from school. They didn't take me. They didn't ask mum to come and get me. They sent me home. You imagine doing that today. To go and have my hands washed. So I got home and said to mum, they've sent me home because I got dirty hands. So guess what she used? Obo. Stuck my hands in Obo, took all my skin off, but I had clean hands to go to school. You see, when I work on cars, I get insight. I'm always amazed that I can, there'll be a problem and I'll look at it and I'll say, that's the problem because there's insight because I'm operating in a gift that God had given me. So trying to take the spiritualization out of this, you have gifts and talents. God's created you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made with gifts and talents. And out of those gifts and talents, when you operate in those gifts and talents, you get insight and foresight. And you start to hear God, not just for the gift, but for every aspect of life. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says this, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Let's just take the weirdness out of prophetic for a minute, because sometimes it can be weird. Okay, There's, Sometimes people are, are prophesying, they're not really, they're patheticizing. Prophecy is, comes where we actually get this Insight and foresight. That's prophecy. That's where we actually get. A lot of our preaching, well, every, every preach that comes off this platform is a prophetic preach. It's what we do. We, we, we're not trying to teach you Scripture and go through line upon line of Scripture, exegetical preaching. We can do that. But our heart is that you learn that because we've got all of our resources we give you. We've got Right Now Media, we've got the Version Bible, we've got uh, small groups, we've got different ways that you study the Scripture. Paul said to Timothy, study to show yourself approved. And that's our job. Our job is to study that. It's not to be force-fed by a preacher in your study. And, and 
we are here to encourage you prophetically, a lot like the, the preachers Jesus did where he actually encouraged them. And the word came and they said, wow, he spoke with authority and it spoke with that. We haven't heard that before, the insight, because everyone else was going back to the law, precept upon precept, and Jesus was speaking life. And that's why we speak prophetically, but we speak this way that you'll catch insight and foresight. That's our heart from when we put together messages in this place. Especially that you will prophesy. The prophetic is something that everyone can do. It's something that's a gift from God that God gives us that we can prophesy. It says if you don't, desire it. Another area of Scripture says covet spiritual gifts. Go after them because they give you an advantage in life, not just Christianity. I love prophecy because it encourages people, other people. It's not just about knowledge. So our heart as a church is that we, we become and we are a prophetic people. That we should be hearing God for our life. We should be hearing God for our everyday. That the activation of the prophetic is for us as well as others. That we start to hear God in many different ways. And start to speak that out and see that advantage and that insight come. John 5.19 says this, Jesus explained, I tell you this, the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. So you imagine Jesus, he's God on earth, all, all human and all God. We know he's all human because he died in a cross, died. We know he's God because he rose again from the dead. But here's Jesus who's gone on earth for us, God incarnate in, in life. And he says, I do the things I see my father do. You think about that for your life. If, you think about that, that if we were to do the things we see our father do. When we go in to the prayer closet, when we go into the secret place, and I use these terms to encourage us to find our secret place, that we see the things God does. I love the stories we have within the life of this church, and there's a story that was up on Instagram the other day where a person prays every day and sees what God wants to do with people, and people come into his life. But in the morning, he's praying and sees that insight, and he does what God called him to do. A long time ago, we used to run an event. I'll tell you when it was. It was Crossover 99. That's a fair while ago. So in 1999, we used to run an event called Crossover. It was for youth. And we would run it. We ran it in our church in Sydney. And we would use the movement who had, we had all the youth from the movement on New South Wales come. And we ran this event called Crossover. And what we would do is we'd equip young people. And we'd spend some time equipping them to the, in the prophetic, equipping them in, in different areas of life. But I remember one particular story. We're teaching them about how to get, hear from God and teaching them you know, to, to actually wait on God and get a picture of what God's showing you and then act on it. And there was one particular young guy who was struggling with this area and, and we were praying and I was helping him. And I said, look, I just want you to 
to start to see what God's going to do today. And I want you just to ask God to give you a picture. And God gave him a picture of a guy in a red T-shirt and a pair of jeans leaning against a building, that it was a white building, the top of a stone thing. And um, he had this picture of this guy. And I said, well, that's good. What do you think God wants you to do with that? He said, I think God wants me to talk to him. I said, fantastic. Well, that afternoon we would go, what we would do was go out in the streets and they'd run kids' events and they'd run music on the street in the, in the stage. There was a stage and they'd run music on that. It was a place called Cronulla in Sydney. And one of the, it's, it's got a, um, the road's been closed and they've made it into a, um, a pathway. You can walk down the middle of the, the street now. And one of the banks is a white building, Westpac Bank. It was a white building, a stone building. Again, standing against that building with his foot up against the wall was a guy in a red, a red T-shirt and a pair of jeans. And this young kid has gone nearly white because he'd seen what his father had told him. He walked up to that guy and started to talk to him and just struck up a conversation. It wasn't particularly spiritual. But it turned into a spiritual conversation and that fellow gave his life to Christ. But it's the same for us. Sometimes we just get far too busy to bother God. Yet God wants us to. See, many times we're looking for God to come to us in the busyness of our life. We say things like, God, where are you? Can't you see what's happening? Have you ever said that? Yet scripture says we should go to him. Psalm 22 verse 26. I've got a, a, a group of them. Those who come to him will be fed. See, I think sometimes our we have a responsibility that we choose not to take hold of. We cry out to God for our circumstance. We, we are in the middle of circumstance, but we're actually not going to God. We're actually not going to the secret place. We're not actually meeting with God. Psalm, uh, Matthew 5, 6, those who thirst for him will be satisfied. Matthew eleven fifteen, those who listen for him will hear. Matthew 7, 7, knock and the door will be opened. Jeremiah 29, 3, seek him and you will find him. James 4, 8, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Yet sometimes I think out of our busyness, we don't draw near, we just shout out. I'm guilty. When things have gone pear-shaped and you're running around trying to fix it, saying, God, can't you see the problem? And he's saying, well, why don't you ask? <laughs> yeah, we choose to go and do it our own way. The busyness of life that we leave and where we live causes us to focus on the issues of the day rather than the answers from God. And I think it's so true in the world we live in. You know, I was thinking about the word business. Because I go up to people in business, I go up to people to anywhere really and say, hey, how are you going? They say, good, busy. 
And it's, it's a statement that comes out of our life, isn't it? That we're busy. And I think sometimes we're too busy for God. Yet we desperately require his insight and his foresight. Busyness is an interesting thing. I'm going to stick up a, uh, the word, what it means. The old English, now, what are you, how are you going to pronounce that? Bicigus? You can tell I'm really good at English. Australia is my first language, English is my second. But it's interesting when you actually look at it. Business becomes anxiety, and we live in a world today with anxiety. When you look at the word business, it can be, be, we get into the business of life or the business that you're in, and what we carry is we carry anxiety. We become busyness in the state, sense of the state of being busy. It's so interesting, isn't it, that we're in the world we live in, the position that we live in, that we live in this thing called busyness in the business of life. And what actually happens is anxiety and stress. And we all carry it. Yet God said, I love the way it's said in James, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. Draw near to him. Lean into God. I think about when I come to church and we come into worship and it's so easy just to stand there and do the Pentecostal clap. But imagine if we lent in. Because the other place that I think is a secret place, certainly a secret place for me, but I think it's a secret place for everybody. Is praise. And we sit in church and we lean in. We start to lean in in that time of corporate. It's the power of the corporate worship. It's one of the reasons why we gather as a church where two or three are gathered. God is here in the midst of us. Where we gather, there's something of a secret place to encounter Him. Many times God speaks to me when, we're stand, when I'm standing worshipping as I'm leaning into him and I'll hear the voice of God. And it might be about home, it might be about here, it might be about someone, but God speaks at that time. Revelation 3.20, which is one of our key scriptures for this season, says, look, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking to us. He's talking to a church. He's talking to the church, which is you and I. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal with you as friends. Where's your secret place? Where is that place in your gifting, 
in your worship style where you can encounter God, where you can open the door into your life. It's all different for every person. When we think about worship styles, and we do have a, uh, a questionnaire to help people find their worship style, there's so many different There's a worship style of gaining knowledge where you love to study and as you study, God speaks to you. There's a worship style of being a naturalist where you walk in the bush or walk on a beach and God speaks to you. There's a worship style of an activist where you're you're passionate about causes and, and you live in that cause and God speaks to you. There's so many. But rather than trying to cookie cutter them, so important we find God for ourselves and how He fearfully and wonderfully made us that we can encounter Him. Let me pray for you today. Father, I know your heart is that we know you. Your heart is, God, that we hear you, that we encounter you, that that you are literally, like Revelation says, knocking at the door of our heart. And you desperately want to fellowship with us. Genesis, rather, says that you created us for fellowship, for relationship. God, you want to give us this prophetic Advantage, this insight and foresight. Help us, Lord, to understand our secret place. As we sit here in this building today, that we know that you're here because two or three are gathered. We know you're everywhere. But speak to us about the way that we can hear you while we're in this place. Father, I pray for everybody here that they'll encounter you and know you. That as Highlanders, we won't be one people who are just known as people who go to church, but we're actually people who are known of people who know God, whose lives are changed with a passion and a purpose to love others and see their lives touched and changed. So right across this room right now, while every eye's closed, every head's bowed, we do this intentionally every service because our heart is that you're walking alongside people and pointing them towards Jesus. Maybe you're inviting them into this place and maybe this morning someone's invited you into this place. But friend, do you know God or do you only know of Him? And maybe you've come in and been invited in today or maybe you've been coming for a while and because this place is a safe place to belong before you believe or maybe you've been going to church for all your life but you've never asked Christ into your life. Today's a day where we want to create the opportunity for you to do that. So right across this room, 
while no one's looking around. If you've never given your life to Christ or maybe you've walked away from God and you've come back today, I would love to help you encounter him today to ask him into your life. The way we do that here is just while no one's looking around, while every eye's closed and every head's bowed, if that's you and you'd like to ask Jesus into your life, would you raise your hand so I can pray with you today? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to invite you out the front, but I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. So right across this room right now, if that's you and you've never given your life to Christ or you're coming back, would you raise your hand? Well, Father, I pray for everybody in this room that they know you, they'll continue to encounter you in such a special way. If they don't know you, Lord, that you continue to woo them so they come into that relationship with you. Amen. Thank you again for joining. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose and make a difference. For more resources and to connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and our website.